We have thoughts, but we're not our thoughts. And we have physical bodies and we have sensations in our bodies, but we're not our bodies. And we have feelings and emotions, but we are not our emotions. And those three things are like, you know, just a really powerful awakening for me that allowed me to be in my body in a way that was kinder and gentler and that gave me permission to release stress that I've been holding on to for years and years and years. Check one, two, one, two. Is this thing working? You're listening to Rabbi Ariel Schollklapper, the wisdom and tools you need to thrive. Hi, everybody. It's Rob Ariel here, and I'm excited to continue our series introducing teachers of Jewish mindfulness from all over the world to you. Our aim is to teach you something new, but also to expose you to a new learning opportunity, another person who's out there who's willing to help you extend your journey and give you real skills for the practice of developing yourself. And this is free. So what we ask is that if you love this, that you share it with other people, and that you go to your podcast subscribe subscription, whether that's Apple or Spotify or Google Podcasts, and give us a five-star review. And that's one of the many ways that you can support our ongoing work. Today, I'm here with Rabbi Robin Damsky, who I've known for several years now, and I've really had a great feeling of love and connection with just because we spent so much time learning together and meditating together without even talking to each other. And uh, I've not haven't really heard her full story. So I'm excited to hear her story and to be led in practice by her today. And I'm going to turn it over. So thank you for being here. Rabbi Robin, I'm excited for you to be here and uh, lead us in practice. We'll meditate for 10 or so minutes, and then we'll get to know how she came to this practice and why it's so important to her. Thanks, Rob Ariel. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here. So thank you for reaching out to me. And one of our colleagues um, used to say when we go to retreats, I can't wait to see you and not talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so we weird, do spend right? a lot of time seeing each other and not speaking to one another hardly or at all sometimes. Um, so so I am, I'm really touched to be here and, and really pleased to have this opportunity to actually get to know you better, which has been sweet already. And what I'd like to say is that I'm sitting in front of a window and there's a bluebird um, right in front of me on the Zen bell, which is to me a good tiding. And um, the work that I do is about wholeness. And I think maybe that's one of the gifts that, that mindfulness practice can bring to us. Um, for me, wholeness includes my relationship with myself, my body. I'm a, a dancer. I danced professionally for a number of years and I do body work. So I'm very con connected with and concerned with our personal physical well being. Um, spirit, our connection with spirit, which I think is really important for our physical well being, and our connection with the Mother Earth, Gaia which to me is just so interconnected. We can't, I believe we can't be fully well unless we're tending to the earth's wellness and the earth is not fully well if we are not fully well. And I, I think that we see that a lot in um, climate issues and how they're affecting our health and well-being, and the pandemic and um, so many other things that we'll have to talk about on another day. So, so, um, so personal well-being, spiritual well-being, planetary well-being, and all of their, their, their interconnectedness. And the practice that I want to bring to us today is grounded in those three pieces, specifically um, wonderful at this particular time because we are in a Shemitah year. And for those who may not be so familiar, Shemitah is an occurrence that takes place every seven years that we are to let the land go fallow, to rest and to regenerate. And 
it's like the Sabbath, which is one day a week where we get to rest and regenerate. And now we have this year to really focus on the well-being of our, of our soil, of our earth. And so I've been connecting my teachings this year, particularly to if we are connected to the earth, which we are, and we are in Genesis, Adam, the human being created from Adama, the planet, from the soil, we are soil beings. This is an opportunity for us to rest and regenerate and release, release, rest, regenerate. So as we go through this practice, we're going to focus on those three concepts in our personal, um, in our practice today. So I'll, I'll start by inviting us to, if you're sitting, to uncross your legs and allow your feet to be on what I call the ground, even if they're on carpeting or cement. Think of it as the ground, like the earth that supports us. And if you're lying down, see if you can have that sense of the, the ground supporting you and holding you, allowing you to rest in, but also pushing you gently up, supporting you. And allow your shoulders to release and your arms to be at your sides. And if it's comfortable, I invite you to allow your eyes to close or if you prefer to soften your gaze. Softening the gaze so that perhaps there's nothing specific in focus. And bring your attention to your physical person. Notice your breathing. And we learn in both spirituality and in science that the inhale is us being breathed. In Genesis, the Holy Creator, the presence, Havaya, breathes into the nostrils of the Adam, the human, bringing life. And we learn in our prayers that this is recreated every single moment. We are being breathed by Holy Source. So see if you can allow yourself to allow your breath to come in. We learn in science that the act of inhalation is passive. The diaphragm simply expands. And it's when we push the muscles of the diaphragm that we exhale. Breathing in is completely natural. And if breathing in or out is challenging for you, I invite you to simply put your hand on your chest and say, it's okay, it's okay. And perhaps you might prefer to focus on light coming in through your third eye, above your eyebrows, or through your crown, the top of your head, or wherever it feels organically natural for you. And allow yourself to soften 
either with that breath or with that awareness of light. And as soil beings, you might imagine your feet through your pelvis as grounding you, grounding you into the life-giving energy of Mother Earth. Feel her shooting her joy, her wisdom, her soul into yours. And breathe out or release out any tension you might feel through the thighs, knees, ankles, feet, out through the feet and the tips of the toes. And allow that energy to burst through your pelvic area, into your belly, spine, abdomen, through your rib cage, up into your heart. The power of God's earth coming into you. For me, I see it as an abundance of colors. See what it is for you. And allow that life to breathe into you or that light to guide you. As you see that energy coming up to the top of your rib cage, into your collarbones, the base of your neck, out to your, your shoulders and allow it to flow down through your arms, elbows, lower arms, wrists, fingers, connecting you with the spirit of the one, the spirit that infuses all things. And return your attention to your point of focus your breath or the light. And allow that energy from the ground to come up through your neck, your throat, your vocal cords, all the way through the beginning of your skull, your chin, the back of your head, sides of your ears and your ears, scalp, Lips, tongue, teeth, palate, into your nose, cheeks, your eyes, eyelids, eyebrows. See if there might be anything that would love some softening right now. Just a little relaxation. And let it push up into your third eye, your forehead, the rest of your scalp, and right out through your crown at the top of your head, connecting you with the all that is around you. Let's sit with this for just a few moments. If you find your attention drawn to a particular part of your body, allow yourself to direct your energy there and see what it's needing. If not, stay with your point of focus. And in a little bit, We'll conclude with a bell.
Thank you. You're welcome. Thank and you. as usual, I invite people to put a smile on your face, give a little gratitude for the practice and give yourself a little bit of a, um, a reward. Maybe give yourself a little bit of a hug or a movement in your body that's going to help you feel good. Maybe a stretch, something positive, um, a little, you know, jiggle. It's important to reward ourselves when we've done something that's good for us right, right away. Other, that way we can help ourselves build that positive reinforcement. It's nice. I wish I could give people a little chocolate <laughs> right after, you know, just a little bit, you know, or a little, little lick of honey or something, you know, just to give them the, the boost right after as they can connect that, you know. Yeah, and I, I want to say that sometimes the doing the doing of this is enough, you know, that that is the reward. Because how many times do we say, oh, yeah, I'm going to give myself a few minutes to take care of myself, and then we don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw a funny, or not funny, but just kind of a, a meme that had like a gas tank. And it said, <laughs> is this kind of like almost empty? And it said, when I should stop and take care of myself and then it says like all the way at empty and it says when i actually do stop and take care of myself <laughs> you know and that's that's you know sometimes we get to that point where we're already burnt out and we're already tired and we're already exhausted but the opportunity is like you said to do it proactively ahead of time yeah yeah and that's yeah. that's a good that's a good um little meme that you saw because it's it's very true it's very true of us as a as individuals, as a culture, you know, we don't, we don't make change until it's almost too late. Yeah. Until yeah. we're already like totally depleted or feeling mm -hmm. that we're beyond repair. So I'm, I'm curious, where did you end up with all of this? That's kind of the question we're asking. How did this begin for you? How did the meditation, mindfulness, Jewish mindfulness? So um, it's funny because the first thing that I just want to say, because it's been on my mind is, you know, I said to you in advance, I usually begin with a melody and I realized somewhere that I didn't do that. So maybe we'll close with a melody if it's, if it's right. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, my path has been, um, I guess, pretty eclectic for people um, who come to the rabbinate, who come to maybe to mindfulness. Um, I danced professionally for a lot of years. I did body work, um, trained to work with injury, disease and trauma, which I did for a long time. And learned about healthy food and um, lived macrobiotically for a long time, did yoga. And then I became a mother. And then I became a single mother and a rabbinical student. So a lot of those practices that I had been um, sharing with others and sharing with myself kind of got put to the side because now I was in school full time, I was raising a young child, I was working, it was crazy. And then um, jump a number of years forward. My daughter was either in, my daughter was in college and I connected with the Institute for Jewish Spirituality um, and did their clergy leadership program, not having any idea that I would be actually learning meditation techniques. I knew it was gonna have chanting and I knew it was gonna have yoga. And I thought, okay, this is all good. Learning is all good. And what I found, Rav Ariel, is that it saved my life. Wow. I was, on a, I was on a fast course to nowhere good. And it took me, that program is 18, it's a year and a half, it's 18 months. I would say it took me almost that full time to realize that I I, I knew that I was thinking about making some changes, but it took me that much time to have the strength of conviction to make those changes. And then I began leading meditation and then I did the meditation teacher training, which is where we deeply connected. And um, I realized that meditation fits very, very well with my work around well-being. My work's always been about well-being. 
And it really helped me to move out of PTSD and into a state of well-being that I think I knew was available to me, but I'd really like I'd almost lost the, the cord. And I also just want to add that from the time I was in junior high, I was growing plants and I went to college to study botany, came out with a BFA in dance. It's a whole other story. But working and tending the earth has been a very, very, very significant part of my spiritual path. So it was part of my rabbinic studies, my Jewish education studies. And for me, that's a place of wholeness, a place of deep healing. And meditation is one of those places that connects me in the way that I feel that deep connection with spirit in nature. Somehow it's just kind of got, um, it took me a long time to realize that these three pieces were a really um, like a conglomerate, a big, a big deep hole, W-H-O-L-E. <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah, so you, so you had this kind of life-saving moment, realization, connection, and it's not that it was new to you because you had been practicing for some years prior but somehow you got disconnected and meditation helped you come back to a sense of connection or wholeness or yourself or what what would you describe that i, I think that you know i had practices in my life that were more body oriented and even though meditation is something we do with our bodies it helped me to get beyond my body and beyond my mind. Um, I remember taking the meditation teacher training and we had interim study units between each of our retreats. We had three different course books with which we could use, you know, that we could draw from for, for spirit. And we were asked to pick the stretch, the book that was a stretch. And one of them was more of an intro to Jewish study, which wasn't, wasn't the right fit for me. And one of them was a book of two books of Jonathan Slater's, um, one of my teachers and someone who I deeply esteem um, on Kedushat Levi and his study of the Torah portion. I'd been working with that book for a couple of years. And then there was this book, Mindfulness by Joseph Goldstein, which was about Buddhism. And I'm like, okay, that's my stretch. So I go to a Jewish mindfulness meditation teacher training and I wind up studying Buddhism. And it was beautiful because the three pieces that really, really um, like clunk right, I'm going to just move to my heart, like right here, where we have thoughts, but we're not our thoughts. And we have physical bodies and we have sensations in our bodies, but we're not our bodies. And we have feelings and emotions, but we are not our emotions. And those three things are like, you know, just a really powerful awakening for me that allowed me to be in my body in a way that was kinder and gentler. And that gave me permission to release stress that I'd been holding on to for years and years and years. Um, and, and, you know, a little bit like the gas tank, but a little differently, when we let something out, something comes in. If we want to put something in the drawer and it's full, it, we can't do that until we move something out of the drawer. And it was, it was very clear to me that one of the gifts that meditation was bringing to me was this ability to drain out or you know, just let go of um, stuff that was in the gas tank that really wasn't good for my car, so to speak. Yeah, just old memories or tapes or you know, kind of stories we tell. Or there's so many of those. I'm just thinking about for my own journey, where it's like maybe I'm telling a story or I'm replaying a memory or whatever I'm holding on to that's really not helping me move forward. And it's not that I want to ignore that thing, but I want to be able to process it in a way that helps me move forward. Right. And, and sometimes it's, it's thoughts or um, belief systems. And sometimes 
there may not even be words. It's maybe just stress that we're holding on to, you know, physical things that, oh my gosh, that was the way I was taught to do that. Or it may be associated with thoughts and feelings, but sometimes it may not even have words. It's just, ah, so much tightness right here. <gasps> or so much pain right there or so much holding right here. And as we allow ourselves to, to let life energy come into those, those places, old wounds, old um, holdings, just start to, oh, okay, I'm not that. I'm not that experience. I'm not that person yelling at me. I'm not that, you know, car crash, poo-poo, poo, whatever it is for people that, that winds up getting lodged in their system. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also like you're saying, a recognition, a new ability to recognize our interconnectedness and kind of reinvigorate old parts of ourselves or, you know, things that bring us joy and put them back into our lives. I'm curious if the kind of attention to plants and plant life and nature was missing in your life. And then you remembered, oh yeah, really, this is really important. I need to reintegrate it. Or was it kind of, because I know you transitioned to starting to do more work with plants around yeah. the time I was, I met you, you were, had already transitioned into an initiative like that. Right. So, you know, I would say yes, I would say no. And then yes. So in 2012, I turned my property into an organic edible permaculture landscape. And I was working full time as a congregational rabbi through 2015. But it was in my last little stretch of time before I, um, before I finished that position, and I had decided not to renew my contract there that I decided I wanted to start a nonprofit, uh, teaching people about growing food and um, the like. But what happened was that meditation became a piece of that because I got to see that in nature, is one of the places where people are willing to soften and be, feel more connected and feel the energy of what some people might call God, creator, spirit, um, just the whole. And that it was a great beginning to open people to themselves and to interacting with others in a kinder way and to build community, i.e. a community garden based on the concepts of taking good care of ourselves. And this is yet another way that we take good care of ourselves is growing food. Um, but, but it really didn't synthesize until last year when all of a sudden it became clear to me. I, I started dancing again in 2018 and movement is just such an amazing spiritual practice for me and for, for some, and it's joyful. And this practice that I do includes really deep personal meditation time in it, and then maybe more communal time, and then back into the self. I do ecstatic dance or dance wave, which is a spiritual kind of a, a movement practice. And it began, it began to become clear that, that physical well-being, planetary well-being, spirit, like this is the this is the triad of wholeness. And that definitely came out of the years of, of meditation practice, for sure. That's amazing. And so you're, uh, you're teaching others how to access that as well, right? You're yes. helping others facilitate their own version of um, that kind of trifecta of connecting all the, all the pieces of themselves with nature, with movement, and health and all those other pieces that are coming together. Right, right. And what I, what I find is that people have a door that enables them to walk in. And that door might be meditation. That door might be, oh, I really want to plant an herb garden in the front of my house. Or um, I have a pain in my shoulder and it just won't go away. So sometimes it's one-on-one -on -one like that, but sometimes it's more communal. Like I, I've been studying recently regenerative agriculture, which is a course I took through the Kiss the Ground movie. I highly recommend it. 
And regenerative agriculture has the capacity to reverse climate change. It's really powerful. And I've moved to this community recently where the people around me are really interested in caring for the earth. And we're planning a showing of this film and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so one of the things that I'm going to do is we purchased property so I could create a food forest here that would be communally engaged. And there's a spot over this way where the intention is to design a labyrinth with plants, with wild plants and pollinators that people can come to for meditating, for walking, for sitting, for reflecting, and connect with themselves, connect with spirit, connect with the earth. So these are, these are some pieces of, of how what I've decided to call limitless Judaism, um, that's, that's my new work, that's, that's a piece of how that's manifesting. I love and that. I've talked with a woman about putting together a um, a painting, a painting, an online painting class with some kind of a spiritual um, text that helps us to get into our creativity and perhaps working with themes of the Shemitah. Um, I'm currently working with a chiropractor friend on doing emotional clearing based on Jewish themes. So, you know, there's lots of ways that, um, that these three overlapping themes interface and give me the opportunity to connect with others, to partner, um, to focus on one or more of those three themes. I love that. I think uh, um, I'm curious what your sense is, because you did work in a community as a as a as a um, pulpit rabbi, we call it, or a communal rabbi, and in a synagogue setting, and I'm I'm curious what um, what you feel like this work will ultimately or could ultimately help um, influence and shape Judaism in a different way. And I think it seems like it's it's really mission focused for you. There's a there's seems like you're energized by an excitement about this, that it's something that's missing that we really need to learn from. And I'm curious what you think that is. You know, it's a great question. And I served a number of different congregations, both full-time and part-time. Um, the word that I wanna bring up is heart. And I, th I think that if I had to say one thing, it's connecting us to heart. And when we connect with heart, the way we express and experience our spirituality can show up in a multiplicity of ways. And I hope that some of what I'm able to bring forward is some of that. Um, I was talking with with my, my partner about potentially leading high holiday services here outside in our space and incorporating movement and incorporating, you know, earth ritual and incorporating song and, and quiet time and, um, and chanting into this expression of bringing in this new year. And then perhaps after the new year, which will be the end of the Shemitah year, maybe doing some kind of a joint communal planting to create, you know, next year's food. I love that. The year, the year after that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that you're right. I think there's a, um, an opportunity for so many different avenues in for people. And this is another way for people to be able to engage and connect. And it's so unique and different than what you would get if you were in a building where the chairs were like so, and they're yeah. always like so. And this, the liturgy is always exa almost exactly the same as it's been in previous years. And you have the flexibility to, as a rabbi, connect with what's connecting for you and what you think is gonna resonate for other people and be able to help them um, express through that different methodology. Sure, exactly. And you know, to that point specifically, one of the things that really came 
clear to me in the trainings that I've done is the focus on prayer in a more like zoom, no pun intended, in a more zoomed in lens, where instead of saying, okay, we're going to pray, you know, pages 360 to 365, and you hear the first line at the top of 360, and then you hear maybe a line on 363, and then at the end, you're like, wait a minute, I'm still on page 360, and they're already on 365, and he's at the box, and ah, is to say, okay, let's take one line on page 360 or two lines and really look at those lines and sing those lines and maybe repeat them and maybe repeat them extensively so that we make a connection with the power of those words. For me personally, that is much more meaningful than a service where I just, you know, I'm just, I can't, I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm still over here. And, and, oh my gosh, I'm caught by this one word. And I really want to spend time with this one word, but oh my gosh, now I'm in the second part of the service. And I'm, you know, um, plus I don't feel I'm like, I haven't physically, spiritually groundedly connected with those concepts enough to feel that I have had a prayer moment. So again, you know, getting back to the melody that, that I managed to skip at the beginning, that yeah. is one, one of the things that I bring because I'd like to give people an opportunity to connect with the prayers of our tradition in a way that maybe is new, maybe hadn't, you know, maybe hadn't been considered. Yeah. And so maybe do you want to do that? Yeah. Sure. You want to lead us in that? Yeah, so this is actually um, a, a small piece of the weekday Amida, and it's a, a blessing that might not be one of the first ones that we think about when we think about the blessings of the Amida. But given that it's the Shemitah year, it's uh, it's appropriate to to share this, and it's the blessing for years. And this is a melody that just came through me. Um, oftentimes, I will sing melodies that are not mine, but more and more. I'm finding melodies that come through me. So give me one sec. I'm gonna sing it in the Hebrew, but I'm gonna translate it beforehand so people can, can have a sense of what's happening. Bless this year and all the, the beautiful diverse forms, particularly grain, but I'm gonna say all kinds of things that sprout from the earth. And I'm going to add to that all the creatures that sprout from the earth, right? Let's have that blessing. And this, the very first word is a little bit like the sound of a shofar, like a little bit of a wake up. is something that could be repeated yeah or, or just taken in so lovely so i'm gonna Thanks. cut that into a clip so that people can replay it if they'd like to lovely that's um, nice eventually when this airs so thank you for that that was lovely i didn't know you had a singing voice who knew <laughs> You know, it's funny how we recapture parts of ourselves when we give ourselves the opportunity to open. And I recaptured this, I think. That's one of the things 
through meditation. I yeah. liked to see what I was nervous to use my voice and bit yeah. by bit come. Same, same. Um, I, uh, I always loved singing as a young kid. And then it was, it took mindfulness meditation practice for me to start coming back to hmm. my voice is something about the chanting and the, the ability to kind of do that in a group setting where I felt like safe to do it. And then all of a sudden yeah. I reminded myself almost like, Oh, Whoa, there's a voice in there. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to one of your pieces um, on your, on your Facebook page. It was, uh, what is this melody? It's from my childhood and you have a lovely voice. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That was super Mario brothers. <laughs> oh, well, I didn't recognize it. it really was what was funny is, it was so funny that the algorithm, I guess the Facebook algorithm, like recognized it automatically and pushed it to my nerdy friends. So my nerdy, so my nerdy friends got the video and were like, yeah, obviously that's Super Mario Brothers. And it's just like, yeah. it, like it's very smart. That algorithm is very smart, apparently. Um, yeah, so I guess I'm I'm curious what your hope is for like, humanity or for the Jewish uh, community that will come out of this kind of sensibility and these kinds of practices that you're teaching, if there is a, such a hope for you? It's a good question. Um, I was talking with uh, someone that I do some spiritual guidance with earlier today, and I said, it's so big. It's just so big, the work that we need to do. And she said, step up and open up. And I would say that my vision is to bring more heart into our world. And I, and I firmly feel that when we live with more heart, we take care of ourselves, we take care of others, and we take care of this precious planet, which is essentially what sustains us. So, you know, that covers issues of economic inequity and racial inequity and ethnic inequity, political inequity. I mean, we could go on and on and on. And it starts with saying, it's okay for me. It's okay for me that I feel. It's okay for me that I have experiences, that I have upset that I have disappointment, that I have fear. And when it's okay for me to feel, it's okay for me to be with you and recognize that, oh, wow, he feels too, and she feels too, and they feel too. And that we're really, really all wanting to be cared for and to care for others, which includes caring for this incredible creation. Yeah, I love that. I think um, I really appreciate that you brought up nature as part of everything and so central to the work that you do, because, yeah. you know, I think I was reading, I, I, I got a book called um, Sacred Plant Medicine or mm. something like that. I don't know if you've ever seen that book. No, well, maybe I did, but it's not hitting but it was, uh, I thought I was looking at it from, a, from the wrong perspective. I was, I, I mean, from not, not the most wise eye, I wanted to know which plants in my surroundings might be, might, I might be able to use them to heal myself, et cetera. Yeah. And which is a good motivation. And Absolutely. I opened up the book and it was like, that's the problem with our society. <laughs> it was like the problem with our society is just generally we approach nature as a kind of thing to use and utilize and subject mm -hmm. as opposed to understanding that we are dependent on this nature right for our very existence without yes. the earth without the plant life without the forests and the trees there is no human life that's right right and that's right. And without that understanding, without understanding that this is not a resource to um, put underneath us, but to recognize that we are all part of the same thing. And yeah. when we can shift our understanding of that, it actually does a huge, it makes a huge shift in our 
spiritual life because we're now more connected with the oneness of all things. Absolutely. As opposed to seeing ourselves as separate. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because I'm looking out at a lot of grass and um, on my property where I started my food forest, I took out all the sod. And I've learned lately that if you cover the soil, it's actually better for the soil. So if there's grass in the soil, it's not a bad thing. It depends on how you care for it. And if you're putting pesticides and herbicides on it because you want it to look a certain way and God forbid you should have a dandelion, that wouldn't be ideal. But if you allow or even inseminate like seed your grass with clover and ryegrass and vetch and dandelions and a bunch of other species, they actually nourish, they feed the soil and then they feed nature. So, you know, we're thinking about, oh my gosh, I don't want that plant in my grass. Well, maybe I actually do want that plant in your grass if you're gonna, if you're gonna keep grass because that's something that's, that um, regenerates, not sustains, regenerates as opposed to sucks energy. It actually regenerates life. Um, and we have, we have some interesting ways in thinking about things like that. And, and I want to say there's, there isn't anything, you know, wrong with your desire to learn about how to use plants for well-being. Because, you know, if we look at the Talmud, it says everything in nature, God created for a purpose. And even plants are listed there, like this plant for this and this plant for that. It's amazing to see that in the Talmud with the recognition that each of those is part of a, a whole. You know, we used to talk about ecosystems. I'm not even sure we use that word anymore, but everything's part of a, a unique, very delicate, beautiful web. And we lose this species of rhinoceros and that species of whale and this species of wolf. And it's, you know, the web, the web has a big hole in it. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was mind is um, mind expanding and even soul expanding to remind myself that, oh yeah, it's, it's a relationship here. There's needs to be some respect and honor. And, you know, we've seen those kinds of studies where they have two plants and one of them you speak nicely to, and one of them you don't Right. You see that the one that you speak nicely to does great. And the one that didn't get the nice words or the, not the opposite ends, yeah. up, ends up shriveling in a way. And we're like that too. We're human, our, us as human beings, we're just as susceptible to that. And I appreciate you bring, being here today and modeling that for us. And I, I look forward to learning from you more. And if there's anybody who wants to continue learning with you, how do they do that? How do they reach out to you? Thanks for asking. So the best way to do that right now, there are a couple of ways, actually. Um, my website is limitlessjudaism.com. And uh, full disclosure, it's in process. It's not 100%. But if you click on like, you know, consultation or whatever, it'll take you to an email that you can communicate through to me. Or you can catch me on Facebook. Um, I have too many Facebook sites. There's Robin Damsky. There's Rabbi Robin Damsky. And there's Limitless Judaism. So if you connect with me through any of those, that works. I also have an Instagram for Limitless Judaism. Um, so either of those, any of those would, would be just fine. And I'll, I'll give people the heads up that I'm working furiously on email. Um, Facebook might be more direct. I just get so many emails that I don't get to that as often as I'd like. So, um, Facebook is great, but email also is good. Limitless Judaism. The email is, um, limitlessjudaism at gmail.com. Great. And we'll put the connection to that in the show notes so that you can easily yeah. access those ways of connecting with right. Rabbi Robin. Thank you so much for being here. I, I want to leave us, I usually do a prayer in the beginning of what I want our time to be, though people may be getting <laughs> sick of hearing me say that almost the same thing every time. But uh, let me, let's uh, wrap up with giving you an opportunity to leave us with a prayer and a blessing for our time. And, uh, and bless us with something good for hopefully mm. what our time can create for people. Great. Thank you for that. Mm. 
May you be blessed to trust in your soul. May you be blessed to trust in your heart. May you be blessed to know that you are part of an ever unfolding exquisite whole. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for reaching out to me. Of course. To stay updated on new episodes, subscribe on iTunes or follow on Facebook.com slash Rabbi Shulk. That's Rabbi Shulk, R-A-B-B-I-S-H-O-L-K. Hey, so if you're really serious about this, come on down to RobRiel.com. That's www.ravariel.com. Take our free trial do the self-learn path or try group coaching or even come apply to work with me one-on-one -on -one. and you'll give yourself the accountability and the support and the step-by-step -step path that you need to feel calmer more mindful and happier with your life so come on down www.ravariel.com see you there